Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished uh, and senior consultant, trainer, and coach from Bangalore, India, Dr. Anand Kasturi. Anand, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Ashutosh. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Uh, Anand is a consultant trainer and an executive coach. Um, he is the CEO and consultant of Anand Kasturi Consulting. So Anand, today let's talk coaching. Let's start with uh, the question, what made you become a coach? Mm, okay, good question and interesting one for me. Mm. Um, see, Ashutosh, I've always been a trainer. Actually, I... I sort of became a trainer, got into training in mm -hmm. 1987. So you can do the math, it's many decades, right, as a trainer. Mm -hmm. uh, 94, in fact, I went off on my own as a trainer, as mm -hmm. an independent one-man band. Um, when in those days, it was not, the gig economy had not yet, you know, sort of kicked in. Correct. And so early 30s, I was, but I said, this is what I want to do. I want to train people, um, you know, and offer whatever expertise I have. Mm -hmm. So 94 onwards, I've been on my own. Um, in 2007, Ganesh, Ganesh Chela of CFI, yep. Coaching Foundation of India, he reached out and said, we are launching this coaching uh, certification, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, if, I mean, this is the first batch and, you know, it's by invitation. So we want to invite you to be a coach. Mm -hmm. uh, to be honest, I hadn't, I didn't even know, uh, you know, in 2007, what is this coach and right. you know, what it means. And I said, coach, I'm, what do you mean coach? Um, so he explained a little bit. I mean, those were early days, right? right? So he explained a little bit in terms of what he had in mind. And I said, my first answer to him was thanks, but no thanks. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm absolutely not interested. So mm -hmm. he said, what do you mean? I said, see, listen, I'm a trainer and all my life, I mean, my DNA is mm -hmm. about training people, right? And his work and coach, you are saying something about working with and you know uh, not really being an expert and uh, you know my expertise is what i bring to the table and so right. uh, i i don't get it and i don't i don't think i'll be i don't know successful or effective or mm -hmm. you know useful to the mm -hmm. uh, to the other party as a coach as much as i would be as a trainer so not not really my mm -hmm. scene so of course he gave me all the fundas about uh, don't you think you need to challenge your own beliefs and mm. you know <laughs> go beyond your zone of comfort and mm. all of that stuff mm. which of course i had to say yes to all of that so then right. again he said so now what so i said okay fine so in a sense uh, it's a case of the reluctant coach right mm -hmm. <laughs> which is where i got involved with coaching in 2007 mm. um, so it's been a while now of course now it's about 14 years as a coach mm. but that's where it began okay wonderful and uh, you know, that's an interesting segue to my next question, because when I was growing up, you know, I started working with ITC when I was 21 in 1979. Uh, coaching or mentoring was done either by an elder in the family or by a senior colleague who took a liking for you. What has made coaching different in the last so many years that people are now willing to pay for it? Beautiful one, beautiful one. Actually, my own experience is also uh, in the first few years when I began after mm. 2007, mm. Uh, partly I was also not pushing it as much, you know, from my side, because as I told you, I'm more a trainer, mm. but also my experience with, uh, with uh, organizations and individuals mm. 
would be that they would resist. I mean, if I say, listen, hey, I, you know, uh, somebody sponsored you uh, for a coaching engagement and I'm supposed to, you know, you're supposed mm-hmm. to be working with me as a coach. So let's, mm-hmm. can we have a quick conversation? Very often the initial thing would be, hey, um, is there something wrong with me? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, am I, are <laughs> um, you some shrink? Uh, you right. know, is this a euphemism for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, uh, will you put me in a straitjacket and take me to the mental hospital and all that crap? Uh, and I think what has changed mm-hmm. uh, is that people are now beginning to realize that the objective of coaching is not to fix a problem but actually to help people realize uh, realize potential, meaning to, to help themselves really uncover the best that they have to offer, right, to themselves and to the community and the rest of the world. Right. Um, uh, and I think when it was seen as a problem fix, like you were saying, right, in the old days, you would go to an elder, you would go to a, a senior guy, if you had a problem, if you were in a dilemma, if you had a uh, an issue, you know what I mean? If you got stuck somewhere, then you'd Correct. say, yaar, kya karun, yaar? what do you think? Give me some mm. advice, you know, that kind of stuff. Correct. But uh, when you remove that problem fix thought away and say, this is not to fix a problem at all, but rather it is to say, hey, you know, how can we move forward in a far more powerful way than where you've reached till now? I think that has changed. And then you know, the whole acceptance is much higher, isn't it? Because it's more positive, constructive future rather than, mm. uh, you know, sort of a judgmental status of the past. Okay. And, uh, you know, as one of the early coaches uh, of CFI and probably in our country, uh, I have two questions for you. Number one is, how long should a coaching association be? And number two, how does a coachee evaluate the coach? Hmm. Good one. Actually, they're closely linked. So it's good that you sort of Correct. block them, I mean, uh, club them together. So the first one is a, is, a, is a tricky one. I mean, there's no, obviously there's no formula, right? Uh, and there is a balance I have found between um, becoming, meaning increasing dependency. Mm-hmm. You know, what the coach definitely does not want to do. And I think it's not just the coach doesn't want to do it. Even the coachee doesn't it's not good in the coach's long-term thing mm. to become dependent on the coach. Mm. Therefore, you don't want it too long. Um, however, just one or two conversations is usually not enough because many of the things that we are talking about in coaching, mm. many of the areas that come up mm. are not really just uh, sort of hard skills that one can pick up, uh, you know, like through a, a Udemy or a Coursera kind of a thing, right? That you would have anyway gone to Udemy or Coursera. This is more about, there is a little bit of a reflection. I need to think through it. I need to realize some stuff. I need to, as a Mm coachee, I need to change maybe some, you know, internal Mm -hmm. beliefs or thinkings. Mm -hmm. I need to say, hey, the future is different from the past. So Mm -hmm. what do I need to change? What do Mm -hmm. I need to do differently? How do I, now, and then I need to test it out, figure out what works for me because everything doesn't work the same way for everybody. Mm -hmm. Now, all of this takes a little bit of time. So, and, you know, and a little bit of back and forth, testing it out, talking about it, what worked, what didn't work, or oh, this mm-hmm. was challenging, this was not, you know what I mean, all this. Mm-hmm. So it's a balance, I would say, between the becoming dependent and not, therefore, mm-hmm. you don't want to become dependent, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it shouldn't be too short. Okay. Now, uh, I've worked with, a, I don't have a particular plan in mind, but when I, when we start a coaching engagement, I tell coaches, listen, six to eight months, is, mm-hmm. you know, is roughly what we're looking at. 
but to tell you the truth there are some which finish in 6 months or fewer or or you know the shorter time there are some which take longer than 9 months because mm. you know it just sure. it just takes that much time to uh, come to a reasonable level of closure um so then when you say how does a coachy evaluate mm. um a part of that therefore is that closure right so i don't know how but it's one of those things that you get a sense i mean mm. in all my coaching assignments i have we have reached a point between coachy and me where we say yes we are now done mm. <laughs> you know what i mean maybe it's the it's the law of uh, diminishing correct uh, value Returns, you know what i mean yeah. that okay beyond this now these conversations are not really going anywhere what do we set out to do what we uh, had uh, set as goals right saying this is what we correct. need to crack we uh-huh. cracked that and so thanks but goodbye and all the best and you know i'm sure you'll do well and in fact all my coaches also say yes thanks i'm now on my own mm-hmm. i'm fine yeah i mean just just let me go wonderful so i wonderful. think it works both ways wonderful i agree uh so let's now talk about the millennials and the gen zs mm. and i always say they are the people who are so called inheriting the earth yes. and i am very hopeful that uh, you know they will do a better job of managing this earth than people of my generation have done oh yes tell me about uh, it yes a large number of millennials have already started to reach middle management senior middle yes. management in companies yes. gen zs have started entering the workforce yes So my first question to you uh, Anand is how are workplaces becoming ready for the young uh, managers That's a that's a tough question actually I mean there are there are so many elements to that so I don't want to go all over the place no. Let me focus on the coaching part of it right mm-hmm. So one of the things and I think the whole issue has become massively exacerbated with this covid right, right. because uh, one part is the gen z and among all the different things that have been researched and written about about that whole generation mm-hmm. one of the big things is that they don't have as much of a community societal network mm-hmm. that people with the kind of gray hair that you know like you and i have right. in the sense like you said there were elders in the family there were uh, you know large community of people at work and yeah. uh, friends and all of that was a was a sort of a given you know i, I mean even if you didn't like it the family would impose itself on you right your cousins would have something to say your uncles and aunts would have something to say and all that yeah. um with the generation uh, now i think a lot of that has just uh, petered off right uh, for for a variety of reasons um and what has happened therefore is uh, the the possibility of having these kind of human connections and there's enough i don't know researched about social media being actually not true human connections right mm. <laughs> they are uh, they, absolutely in fact uh, one point of view extreme one says they cause more damage than uh, mm. than support in terms of all the you, you know all the uh, outcomes that they that they lead to uh, especially in young kids right and it's dangerous now what's happened is that that kind of a stuff is not really uh, is not really a substitute mm. okay um and therefore workplaces now in the last one and a half years if you add to this mess mm-hmm. if you add to this the realities of the covid you know working at a distance working from home yeah. kind of a thing where people were forced really nearly to just sort of socially distance themselves mm-hmm. not just physically but in every other way right 
Uh, and so then meetings in person became almost non-existent, right? I mean, you only met either very close family that you were living with or, or maybe not at all because you were just stuck somewhere and you know, Correct. you're in a PG or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so meetings with people came down drastically. And I think all of this has led to, if you ask me, a huge need um, for, for human connect, for, for people to be able to, uh, uh, you know, talk to individuals mm-hmm. Now, given the change in generations, I think there is a greater appreciation of the fact, I hope there is, mm-hmm. that people with uh, some, some stake, like a family member or a boss or, a, you know, like you said, a senior person in the organization, mm-hmm. in a way is a little bit less perfect to have as that sounding board that that person to talk to than a neutral but professional, ethically sound external individual, you know, for with whom I have no, there is no axe to grind, there is no stake, uh, but they are professionals. They are not just some guy on the street listening to me and, you know, talking. So in that sense, I think the, the need is huge, if you mm-hmm. ask me. And um, I, 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 the sooner organizations realize it and provide for formal mechanisms mm-hmm. for individuals to be able to reach out to you know, reach out to people. I'm not saying coaches. It could be sure. coaches. It could be buddies. It could be mentors. It could mm. be a, you know a variety of possible developmental support uh, roles, right? Mm. Mm. But more they do it formally for the younger generation, the better it is. Unfortunately, the early forms of coaching all had to do with senior people. You know what mm. I mean? That is, you're senior, you got you are a coach, right. right? And it was, you know, all of that stuff was mm. attached mm. to that. But I think now you've 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 touched on a very very important point that the younger people uh, can benefit enormously from this. So, you know, that gives me an interesting uh, question to ask you. What are some of the areas that the younger, the Gen Zs or the millennials need to be coached in and how will it benefit them? (laughs) Interesting one. Um, See, I... I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if I can generalize that, you know, what are the areas, but I think a lot of it uh, will have to do with, see, there are three, when I'm looking at coaching, right. I'm, uh, I'm going back to some older models. I think even CCL has this model of saying uh, self, right. Managing myself, uh, working with others and business effectiveness kind of areas, right. Three, three broad broad buckets, right. Working with self, um partly is a important area because as i said i think the sense of self the sense of who i am what i am what value i bring mm-hmm. how do i learn and grow how do i contribute what really gives me a kick those questions have very different answers for today's generation than what it, they had for you know for people like you and i well said okay? yeah mm-hmm. so therefore that understanding myself is a very big deal and mm-hmm. i think that's one powerful area where coaching can help mm-hmm. um, because you know like you said younger people are becoming middle managers and at that point they are also into uh, I mean they're also facing a number of other dilemmas mm. they're facing relationship dilemma do mm. I get married do I you know do I settle down do I not mm. uh, do I have a kid do I not have a kid mm. do I continue working or do I now is it time for me to do some uh, something else mm. do i need to start up you know I, 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 everybody and their uncle and cousin are, is is involved Correct. in some startup 
uh, will it become too late for me if I wait for another two mm. years? You know what I mean? There are a number of these dilemmas yep. which they uh, face and, and they don't know exactly or they may not have enough of the, mm. um, like you said, wisdom, knowledge, experience, you know, you want to put all that together mm. to make those decisions, right? They need help. So that whole past about managing myself is, mm. one, is one big area. Mm. Um, and making decisions. The second, working with others Correct. is another huge area mm. because they are not, uh, my sense is that they have not yet reached a point of steady state uh, in terms of working with others uh, using technology. You know what I mean? Because um, all said and done, human beings are human beings. You know, we mm. have not yet become cyborgs or uh, robots yet, right? True. We have not. I mean, artificial intelligence is still artificial. It's not. It has not morphed into natural intelligence. Mm. And, and as human beings, some of the deeper uh, DNA, I don't know, the genetic code that is in us mm -hmm. as uh, community-based social beings, you know, man is not an island in that sense. Mm. That's not going to go away in a hurry. So we find substitutes from technology to do all of that. But a, a meeting, a team meeting on teams is nowhere the same as a meeting in person with, with a group Absolutely. of people, right? Yep. And sometimes as Gen Z, I feel they don't know how to meet in person. You know, they've almost forgotten that. So what do I do with my meet in person, right? Let's just get on Zoom mm -hmm. or Teams or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, my son is 33. I think he's not a millennial. I think he's a little older than a millennial now. He's but a younger he's, millennial. Yeah. Well, so he says, you know what? I had a long, uh, you know, I had a long meeting with so-and-so. And I say, wow, you met the person? No, no, no. Uh, on chat. No, I said, how can you have a long meeting with somebody on chat? It, I don't know. It doesn't work for me. He says, well, yeah, we covered a lot of stuff. But I say, okay, so how is that boy? You know, is he doing okay? What's happening to his life? What? He says, yeah, he says it's okay, but I don't know. So I said, maybe you need to I agree. meet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. In fact, that is something which I have uh, found with a lot of discussions I've had. You know, we are all uh, social animals we need and companies to be able to practice management by walking about. We need to be able to you know, go to the cafeteria, have a cup of coffee together, etc. Yeah. And that I think is a big disconnect, which you are raising very correctly. Uh, yeah. That's happening currently. Absolutely. I mean, as a manager, I remember when I used to work and so I know that somebody has a problem or, a, or something in their mind. So you say after lunch, chalo we, let's go for a short walk and you know, just, right. come on, let's just observe the birds and the bees. So we just walk around a bit and a lot of things get sorted out. You know what I mean? In that, in that little bit of a walk. So you can't do that on a Zoom call or a Teams call. You can't say, let's just walk around a bit. Right. Well said. And, uh, well said. Well so that working with others, especially in this current sort of context, mm. I think these two would be uh, priority coaching need areas. Well Business said. context, I'm not that sure. I think people, they're all smart. They're uber smart you know what i mean they are much smarter than you and i were the, the kind of exposure and uh, understanding they have mm. of the world and how it mm. works is fantastic so uh, the third area i'm not so worried about i would think the first two are where the um, uh, focus could be fascinating fascinating so i don't have time for two more questions the, my next question is about your 360 degree platform right tell me about this <laughs> it's an interesting one. It's actually a welcome secret. It's good that you're mentioning it because I don't really talk about it or market it to anyone. I designed it. Uh, you see, the normal 360 that as a coach mm -hmm. one used to do is a conversational 360, which is you 
you you know talk to a number of stakeholders of this kochi and say mm. hey tell me about this person what mm. is the feedback you'd like mm. to share mm. what are the strengths what going forward if you know it has to be great what what do you recommend and so on mm. uh, but i realized early on i'm a i'm a i mean i'm inclined to technology i love it okay so i prefer a technological solution to mm. uh, you know to any other if i if it works right mm-hmm. so um in 2014 or 15 i realized that uh, my coaching engagements were getting uh bogged down a little bit with this uh, 360 okay mm-hmm. uh, the conversational 360 Correct. in the sense what happens is that i reach a position of saturation i speak to six people mm-hmm. and then the seventh person i'm believing is not saying anything that i don't already know mm-hmm. you get me so <laughs> uh, that is not already mentioned so then you reach saturation very very quickly mm-hmm. whereas actually that person stakeholders you know there are many more than just six or seven and mm. maybe a hidden perspective somewhere so i said this won't do we need to mm. find a way to get a, a better catchment area you mm. know operating for 360 and also it has to be online so i designed it i researched there the current 360 things that were available mm. at that time uh, to be honest i haven't done too much of a research post that but at that time what i found is one of the strange things with feedback is mm. that very often i find the same thing comes up both as a strength as well as a focus area for the future mm. that is i'll give an example strength you say what are rajesh's strengths and the stakeholder says oh he's a details guy his attention mm. to detail is fantastic he's mm. you know super you know he will dot the i and cross mm-hmm. the t mm-hmm. he just doesn't leave things at a high level and you know sort of gloss over stuff right. he's a fantastic manager uh So then, okay. Then you talk about other strengths. Then we come to a focus area and say, "What is Rajesh's focus area? What do you think he needs to work on going forward?" He says, "You know what? He should learn to understand the big picture. You know, he gets bogged down in details." So you said that was a strength. Mm. It is a strength, but you know what I mean. Absolutely. So this used to happen, like par for the course. You know, all the time. So all, well, let me say all that I researched. So most of the three sixties that I found, mm. they had only one scale. it mm-hmm. said how is this person doing mm-hmm. and what it what they don't do is to say that if something is a strength person is doing this very well mm-hmm. that does not preclude it from being a focus area mm-hmm. listening can be a great strength but if you only listen and don't do anything about it then you have a problem so mm-hmm. but but you see that listening is a strength so then you know one is tempted to say yeah this is fine let me keep it aside and let mm-hmm. me focus on something else So I'd like to believe that uh, the way I've designed it, you know, really, really culls out in a separate way mm. both the strength as well as the focus. Now, in fact, I call it the present and the future. So there are two sections. It says at present, where is Rajesh? Mm. And then it says in the future, what do you think Rajesh needs to do to go forward? Fantastic. And these two are separate questions, separate sections in the in the survey, right? Um, so that's. in a natural 360 change fascinating fascinating and my last question to you uh, anand that this comes back to your phd your uh, doctoral research was uh, is has been on effectiveness of frontline service employees yes tell me about this and uh, what were some of the hypotheses that you were able to ans- mm. get answers to ha ah, interesting okay um the frontline so as i told you early on when we began is that i'm basically a consultant trainer mm-hmm. and what i didn't say then is also i'm a consultant trainer in only one area okay. and that is services management okay. and customer centricity i don't 
I don't do training in, in general stuff. I'm not a training services provider. Mm-hmm. I, I only work in just one area, which is customer centricity. Um, I mean, it happened more by accident than by design. And sure. now I'm fond of saying anybody who has a customer is a potential client, which of mm-hmm. course includes all businesses, right? Sure. So it's a sweet spot to be in. So there were two parts to that PhD. One is that as a single guy, it's very easy for me to become a free spinning wheel. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That is, I'm disconnected from reality. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I did my 360 and, you know, somebody had the, had the, I don't know, I'm so grateful to that person, generosity to share with me that, dude, mm-hmm. you're a one-man band. And if you don't make sure you are upgrading your knowledge on a regular basis, you will get uh, past your use-by date very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I said, right, sign up for a PhD, right? And I signed up in the UK because uh, uh, I had to continue working and do my PhD at the same time, which mm-hmm. at that time, and I'm talking about late, early 2000 was unknown to most most universities. So the big mm. universities refused to take me on board, mm. saying we don't do people who are working and do a PhD at the same time, it doesn't work. Sure. Uh, but I found this university, the only private university in the UK who was willing to take a bet on me and it mm. worked very well for both of us. Wonderful. So my research uh, thesis was all on the frontline employee. A lot of my work in the service area is on the frontline service employee, mm. right? Um, because all said and done, however much a customer, may, a company may say we care and we are service oriented mm-hmm. and we are customer centric and all of that. Finally, what happens is what happens between you, the customer and that one individual who is delivering something to you, right? Whether it's a product mm-hmm. or a service or a uh, information or an answer or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, uh, I had two research sites, one in India and one in the UK. Um, and my question was, what makes a frontline service worker effective? Okay. Um, given also the background that, mm. uh, see, physical labor. So you have a move, Ali Hochschild wrote about this uh, um, in the 90s. So she's mm-hmm. talked about physical labor where people are employed for their brawn, right? Muscle, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. which then moved to intellectual labor where you hire people for their brains and, you know, like software programmers and so mm-hmm. on. To emotional labor where you are hiring people because they're good with people. Mm. Okay, and frontline service work is all about emotional labor. I mean, it involves a lot of physical and yeah. intellectual work mm-hmm. also, but it's, you need to be polite and friendly and courteous all the time. Mm-hmm. But nobody, no human being can be artificially polite and friendly and courteous all the time. You know, I mean, it just breaks you down. Yes, yes. So I was very intrigued by that whole question. And that's where my uh, thesis began. Mm-hmm. And what I found, I mean, to cut a long story short through all the, um, you know, research and everything else, is that the the frontline service workers who are most effective mm-hmm. are the ones who are intrinsically motivated. That means who, where Dilse, it comes, mm-hmm. you know, in India, mm-hmm. we say Dilse, right? That is from, from my heart. I genuinely am caring or that I'm interested. I'm mm-hmm. intrinsically motivated. I'm not motivated. So the moment a front an, a service organization says, we'll, you know, we'll uh, give you extra brownie points if you get CSAT score, which is higher, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It actually screws everything up. Correct. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I don't mean that people should not get rewarded or recognized. They need mm. reward and recognition. Mm. But the best people are those who do it because they believe it needs to be done. Mm. Well, that's in a nutshell what I found out. Fascinating. But uh, of course, there's a lot more to it than that. I know. I'm sure. I'm sure. But uh, Anand, on that note, uh, we've now run out of time. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you for sharing so much of your incredible knowledge on coaching. 
and uh, you know sharing so many of your experiences as you have built your uh, you know consultant trainer uh, organization um, thank you for talking to me about your phd so uh, hey thank you ashutosh <laughs> for lending a very very uh, what do you say welcome year right to all my ramblings and i hope it was useful uh, uh, i hope it adds some value and contribute something wonderful thank you again thank you for listening to the brand called you video cast and podcast a platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals you can also follow us on youtube facebook instagram and twitter just search for the brand called you